All right, hello everyone. Today we're bringing the conversation back. We're talking about <laughs> a character, and another thing we're going to be talking about is empowerment. And there's a lot behind character, and that's actually something that I learned a lot from you, Mel. Is what it is, what is character, who is someone's, and that's and that's something we get into is someone's essence the same as their character, and all of these things. So when you hear the word character, when someone you're asking someone for their character. What comes to mind? What are you actually asking for? You know, what's a character is really closely tied to me to morals, um, to integrity, and also I would say habits, hmm. because your habits to me in a way um, build character and or reverse reveal character. Hmm. So then, are habits a way that you can like create? A character or like an attribute that you don't have yet or want to possess. Absolutely, yeah, I think so.、Um, I mean, I've not read much on it. I'm curious now. I, you know, a book that's been coming in a lot is The Atomic Habits. I've seen that. I need to read that、um, now that we're having this conversation. But I, I, I just had that thought pop in as you asked me that. Like,、hmm, habits seem to correlate with that because inevitably your habits will become. Yeah, who you are, like the outcome of your becoming, right? Like if you have shitty habits, right? I think habits are very telling of someone's character because it's like, it's the constant, it's the same image that shows itself to you that's like flashing at you, right?、Mm-hmm. And、mm-hmm. with that, there's a lot you can integrate and understand about an individual if they are continuously showing up. Like if the habit itself, like for an example, what would be a What's a habit of yours? Well, I just had this thought, real quick. Like your habit is kind of revealing the part of you that unconsciously is 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 doing.、Mm. And so, in a sense, it's revealing that part of you that maybe,、um, because it is a lot of it is subconscious or unconscious, and so we just go through about go about our days doing these things, and. If you don't question those habits, then how do you know where they came from, and why you do them? Right? Like, where did those?、Um, and so many of them could be like coping mechanism habits.、Mm-hmm. I just looked up. I just looked up the definition of habit, and it says a settled or regular tendency or practice, especially one that is give up.、Mm, right? Yeah. So I'm just trying to think of my own habits. <clears throat> I mean, something that I've become aware of more recently that I'm、um, breaking out of is this habit of avoiding、um, confrontation,、mm-hmm. like hard conversations, and being mindful as to doesn't always have to be difficult. Like you've perceived it that way. Oh, so that's okay, Mel. So that's been my experience of them because that's how I think they have to be. And what I've learned is, if I can process my thinking around a particular situation and really get clear on the story I've created in my head and label it as such, this is just your story, Mel. This isn't the truth, right? This is your interpretation of reality. And then being able to present it to someone, it doesn't need to be confrontation because I'm not saying this is the thing. This. Is- Is、right. the truth? This is the, what you did. This is what happened. Instead, I'm coming at it like, "Hey, 
this is a story that's playing in my head and it could totally be wrong, but the story in my head is making me feel this way. And can you sit with me and help me um, maybe see a different perspective if, if that's necessary and, or can you help affirm what I'm seeing? So maybe the habit then was confrontation in the past led to being difficult because of the way that you approached it while you're not, you're changing, you're changing that habit by changing the way you approached it. Like you're working backwards instead of from the bottom. Yes, totally. So is that the thing of, then with habits is it's more of a process of working backwards rather than going straight to the root. I think it's really helpful because I mean, I'm sure you can rewire habits, um, mm -hmm. you know, and just like totally override some that are just like, who knows where they come from. But then there are something like something like that, you know, obviously this is a more deeply rooted habit that has to do with emotional intelligence, obviously. Right. Right. Um, then there are habits like my husband who has to fold his freaking, he's going to hate me for this, but like <laughs> folds his underwear a certain way and folds his socks a certain way. And those are habits that he got because he was raised by a military father. Right. 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 Like, and does he really need to go through like, dissecting that no like it's just like you know that's just how he is and that's what comes easy to him and he likes it so then how do you distinguish between a healthy habit and a bad habit i always go back to production you know like are you what is it producing in your life and is it a bit that um you know, something like I've heard about Steve Jobs, who I don't know really anything about the guy, but that he only had black in his closet. I don't even know if this is true, but I love the idea of this, that he only had black in his closet and he had the same outfit every day because he was like, I'm not going to exert energy on that. And I love the idea of like conservation of energy and like, what do I have my using my energy? Like, what am I using my energy on? And so habits can help us because they become unconscious and you don't exert energy in doing them. Now you have more energy for the things that really matter. This is so good that this came up because yesterday on my live, I was talking about choice and stuff and how we live in a world where we have like almost too much choices to choose from when we get overwhelmed. And so we often let others make the choices for us, right? Like, tell me what to think. Tell me what to wear. Tell me what to eat. Tell me what's good. Tell me what's bad because there's so much choice out there. And what I'm starting to see is with habits is habits are ways for us to their choices that they're like habits are like um what am i trying to say they're like repetitive choices that don't require us to use like that brain energy or like that do you see what i'm trying to get at with this mm -hmm, totally mm -hmm. and how that can be really beneficial or how that could be really harmful depending on the habit exactly so like steve jobs in particular had various habits like that where he did not exert energy on the little things like what I'm going to wear today. Mm -hmm. How many people waste energy on that? Um, not waste, but you know, exert energy, I should say. And obviously this has to do with like your life because I'm always going to be like, it's not one way for anybody. Right. And you know, for some presentation is a big deal. And I see that, I see that um, being beautiful as well, this idea of excellence. Right. And it's what, what we're trying to excel in. Mm -hmm. Um. And I think it's like honoring that. So, um, well, and I getting would, back to go ahead. Well, and I would just love to know like his number one or like his values, because again, I also feel like your values are going to drive a lot of your habits. And Absolutely. I guarantee mm -hmm. you one of his values is not presentation or like looking good. Right. Cause 
clearly he's more like, I don't want to waste energy on that. While we waste energy or use energy or focus it on areas that we deem important. Right. And I don't know if it wasn't about, I don't want to look good because think about Apple, right? It's like one of the most sleek looking designed items. Mm -hmm. It was about my creation Mm -hmm. versus, and what that let, letting that speak about who he is versus he himself, maybe, I don't know. Um, That's something to dive a little deeper into. I'm curious. Um, But I think like another habit, like one of my own is I have to make my bed every morning. (laughs) I do not like to have a bed that's unmade. And, you know, I I believe uh, Jordan Peterson, he has a book called the 12 something. Oh, yeah. um, And he, that's like one of his things is like, make your bed every morning. And so how little habits can even build bigger habits. Mm -hmm. Wow. Yeah. Because again, and that kind of goes into that whole character building piece too. Exactly. And I think that's what it is about. It's like, to me, I think of, um, there's a scripture in the Bible that says like faithful over little ruler over much. Mm. And I've always loved that idea of like, if you can be faithful over the small things, then spirit will allow you to be a ruler over much. Yeah, I 100% agree with that. I think a lot of people, and that's kind of its own little tangent, but I feel like a lot of people want to have these huge, gigantic spiritual experiences, but they can't even like sit outside and like just feel it, you know? Mm-hmm. Well, it's like I've had experiences within various spiritual communities where it's like... um they're all for the elaborate events and the elaborate experiences. I like even talked about this on my Instagram about I'm not impressed by that. You know what I mean? Like I'm not impressed by your elaborate experiences of spirit. I'm impressed by like, do you know how to treat the person that's right in front of you in the moment? Um, Do you know how to clean up the trash that you see in the streets when you sit there and talk about mother earth? Right. And And how beautiful she is. Those little things. Right. And that bleeds back to that whole character thing. So -hmm. then how does someone show their character? Well, we'll pause and like really define first. You had asked like what's healthy and unhealthy habits. Mm -hmm. So I think that's key to character. And I think an unhealthy habit and versus a healthy, it goes back to production and not just only what it's producing in your own life. Um, What's it, what is it enabling or empowering you to experience in your life? Mm-hmm. And what is it enabling and empowering others to experience in theirs in their lives? And not just others by people. I'm talking about others as in other realms, mm. your ancestors, the land, right? Right. Um, uh, all living beings. So that's that. Um, and then regarding the correlation with character. Um, so what is character? Oh, I mean... Let me read the definition real quick. Yes. Mm-hmm. So... There's two. I mean, I'll read the second one because why not? But the first one is what we're talking about is the mental or moral qualities distinctive to an individual. That's number one. And then this is really interesting, which makes sense. Um, Oh, wow. I just pulled up a whole bunch. Okay. I'm just going to read like these top five ones. So I read that first one. Then -hmm. the second one is the distinct nature of something. Then the third one is the quality of being individual in an interesting or unusual way. Then the other one is strength and originality in a person's nature. I like that one. And then there was, 
let me find the verb one. The verb is, um, oh, another definition of it is a symbol representing a letter or number. And then the verb is to inscribe, to engrave. Mm. Wow. To inscribe or engrave. Yeah. See, that resonates with me with the habits. Like in a way, it's what's being engraved. Like, right. Right. And I really liked, I believe, the third one, the originality of being. The um, strength and originality in a person's nature. Mm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because we, and the reason this conversation got brought up is because you had messaged me asking me uh, regarding the last podcast and the conversation we were having and about how do we know, um, how did you ask me? I basically, there was a part that came in the last conversation we had where we were talking about like addicts and how do you Mm. basically, if you can't. How do you judge someone's character? Because you got to, we can't look at, well, again, I'm not putting words in your mouth, so define, fight me on this. But what <laughs> I was saying, it, how I perceived was, we can't judge someone's character based off of their actions. We have to judge it off of their essence. And so I was saying, no, we judge someone's actions are telling of their character, not their essence. Mm, there we go. So that's it. So like the essence of the person to me is that part of them that is innate, that is a reflection of creator. And I believe every single human has that imprint um, that is divine and that is their truest self. But the character is, again, that part that is built, that is engraved. I love that definition into them as a, as a result of habits, upbringing, um, models and examples around them of mm. what's important, what's to be valuable. Um, yeah. So character is built while essence is like inherent. Yes. Hmm. So then do you think someone's character can change? Absolutely. Totally. I mean, I did. Right. I was an addict living in the streets, right? And I had no sense of morality. And But in reality, I did. I was just denying it. Mm-hmm. So then when it comes to character, what is something that you think is important like a aspect of character that you look for in individuals or that you, I wouldn't say admire, but you're like, Oh, that's a good character. What makes you say that person has a good character? Mm. Yeah, that's a really good question. I mean, it kind of comes back to what we were saying the other day. Um, You actually said it like a good heart, right? Like that, I think caring, caring, and I'm, I'm, I mean, and it goes back to that saying of like faithful over little, do you care about this life? Do you care about how you live? And um, I think someone who has like a, an awareness that this, this experience is a gift. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, they care. Um, I think that's a big thing. I also think, you know, part of character for me is integrity is like, um, being the same person you are on the inside, on the outside. Absolutely. Like it's a question. Mm-hmm. And I bring that up because I, I did a reading with someone recently and that was like a big thing that came up. And that's a, a big thing for Capricorn risings is Capricorn risings. I've, I've noticed um, may have a tendency to say what the people around them think they should say mm. versus what they really want to say. 
And I really think for me, character and something that I like and I admire are people who don't withhold. Mm. So then, okay. And I agree. But then how do you discern and like, what is, again, it's like a situation by situation, but what is that elemental piece that when you're in situations, when is it right to, is it ever right to hold back? Yeah, I think so. I think um, you have to question yourself in regards to why you need to say it. Mm. You know, like, are you just saying it because you have, you, you feel like um, you need to be heard or is it because you feel like you're in the right? Like, what's your, what's your intention? Always, you know, because you could be the most blunt, honest person. But also, if your intention is just to prove somebody else wrong. Right. Then it ain't going to sit well with anybody. Right. This is so, this just transitions so well. So I was looking up what good character is. And they use this example. And I really like it. It says, character is like a tree and reputation like its shadow. The shadow is what we think of it. The tree is the real thing. Mm, yeah, I've heard that before. That's so good. Yeah. Yeah, like the shadow is the reputation. It's what you cast on 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 your life. Mm -hmm. You know, and I read a book many, like many years ago. I think I was like 20 years old when I read it called Integrity by Dr. Henry Cloud. And can you believe that? I read that book when I was 20. I'm 37 and it has stuck with me for 17 years. That's how big of a deal it was. You know, um, it was for me to like read this book on integrity. I remember being like, this is so important. That's all my Capricorn energy that was like so happy. <laughs> like this is so important that how I live is going to have an impact. And he uses the analogy of like awake you know, like when a boat is like speeding on the water and it leaves the wake of ripples. And he's like, that is integrity. Mm. It's the impact of, of your presence and what it's leaving behind. Mm. I like that. I like that. Me too. It's just like resonated for me. And that has always stuck with me. Like at the end of the day, when you leave, what is people's experience of you? And I, you know, that quote that always comes to mind too is like, people will forget what you say, people will forget what you do, but they will never forget how you made them feel. Mm -hmm. And I think there's something about that, that that's a really important question for all of us, including, you know, me and you is like, what do we want people to feel from being around us? Right. And that's a heck of a question. Mm -hmm. Cause I think we get caught up a lot within like the, the labeling of like the nouns that we want people to see us as like the roles, but not the, the emotion behind it. I think what I, and I just had this like, aha, you know, um, I mean, and maybe this is all my sag, but I'm like, I want people to feel free. Mm -hmm. Because if I'm like, I want them to be loved. I'm like, does love <laughs> I mean, and, and that's a beautiful thing. I do want that too. But more than, I don't know, like more than loved, I want you to feel free because I'm like, love sometimes it feels like is misinterpreted and used for enabling. Mm. I don't know. I mean, I could be totally off on that, but like, no, but like right go now, deeper. What do you mean? Well, I've just seen, okay, so for instance, I have a mom and I have a brother and I have seen my mom use 
I just want your brother to experience love as enabling his um, certain behaviors. And I've wondered, you know, is that really love? Because mm -hmm. in my view, I'm like, love results in freedom. And that's not that. It, it seems more like um, enabling. Of kind of like, well, I just want you to be happy, so do whatever. Yeah. And I think that that's something we got to question it. What do we want people to feel around us? If we want them to be happy. Okay. So say you want people to feel happy at being around you. Cool. That's beautiful. But to what extent? Right. And, um, and well, happiness in absence of what? Right. I was listening to um, Africa. I don't remember her last names. Pop Brooke. Mm -hmm. Brooke. She's so fucking amazing. And she is. She brought up a point about how, like, um, I listened to podcasts about risk. Podcast, not podcast. And um, she basically says, like, in order to identify what you want, you also have to understand the responsibility that comes with it. Like, the responsibility of that risk, right? And how we look at that, at least in my eyes, like, okay, yeah, but what's the shadow? What's the sacrifice that sometimes comes with upholding that value? And so, like, you're saying with that whole of, like, I just, or your mom with the whole, I just want your brother to experience love or, you know, something like that, be happy. It goes in that shadow sense of like, what terms, again, it goes back to that thing. What terms are you living mm -hmm. by that define happiness, right? Exactly. That's really good. I love that word terms. That's really it. Cause I think about what comes to mind is like mother Teresa did the same thing, right? So mother Teresa, her whole thing was she didn't want people to die without dignity and she couldn't stand seeing these naked dying bodies in the streets of Calcutta and she was like they will uh, that makes me emotional she was like they will not die like this and she took it upon herself to take the dying and put them in a home and they if they were going to die they were going to die clothed in a home in the arms of someone and so in a way she was like, yes, I want them to experience love, but beyond that love, it was dignity. Right. And then that beyond, beyond that dignity was then the action plan. Mm -hmm. There's like this really cheesy quote I saw yesterday on TikTok, but I was like, it kind of hits. Oh God, let me remember. It's like, um, a goal without action is just a wish or something like that. Mm -hmm. And I was like, yeah, cause like her whole, like your mom's whole thing of like, your brother, I want him to experience love. And it's like, okay, but what is the action you're going to do behind that? And sometimes that can show up as enabling, right? Same with right. Teresa with the whole, her action of bringing in that dignity is actually clothing those who are dying and giving them a home. Mm -hmm. And I think part of it, like with my own mother that I see is like, um, for her, it has looked like and and maybe this is, you know, who am I to say that it's wrong? Maybe it's part of her work. I don't know. Um, for my mom, it has very much been, and that's a very Pisces thing. My mom is a Pisces and she's like, it looks like her suffering with him. Mm. And, you know, that even makes me emotional. Man, this eclipse is going to mess me up. I'm feeling <laughs> all kinds of vibes. But yes, like it's this idea of like, for her, that is love. Will you sit with me in my pain? Mm-hmm. And there is beauty in that, absolutely. But I've also, it's hard for me as a daughter, obviously, to witness it weigh on her. Right. Um, but, you know, I do what I can to alleviate it. And so, like, when I see that she's burdened, 
I have like, I'm like, let me give you a foot massage, mom. Because I remember reading a story by this man named Parker Palmer, um, who I love dearly. And he's an incredible teacher. Highly recommend his books. Um, (laughs) He wrote a story of, he worked a lot with um, people with depression. And there was one man in particular that he talks about in one of his books. And he was like, he was suffering this immense depression. And it was like, when you're in depression, he's like, you can't talk someone out of that. It's not a logical thing. It's not a mental thing. And he's like, so every day I would go to his house and I'd be like, how you doing? Like, same, same, you know, it's like hard, you know, and, you know, and then the next day, same thing, same thing. And he would go and every day he's like, you know what I would do? I would massage his feet because it was the only place that still had a sense of pleasure Mm. because it was the body. And so even though the mind was somewhere else, like he could at least give the body a sense of pleasure and relief. And like through that, he was able to help this man every single day. He did this until he came to a point where he could feel again. Damn. And so that's resonated with me and like being able to do that with my mom. So I guess like that's my own action plan, right? Of like, Mm -hmm. if I can't change how she expresses or perhaps views love then what i can do is help her with experiencing a sense of of relief in her body while carrying the weight that she's carrying yeah and i think that's really powerful and beautiful so going back to your thing with the whole like you want people to experience freedom around you so then what terms do you go by for that i have to be incredibly free myself Mm mm-hmm You know, I think that's number one. It's like what you want in someone, you better embody it. Mm -hmm. And if I want freedom for others, then I need to be incredibly free myself. And that looks like checking myself all the time. Um, I think also freedom is not negligent and freedom is, you know, there's all these other ideas around freedom. Like it goes back to what your, your whole thing right now is like accurately defining words because what you think of freedom and what I think of freedom are two different things, right? And I think a lot of freedom, people think freedom means like just acting negligent and being able to do whatever the fuck I want, blah, blah, blah. And that's not freedom to me. Mm-hmm. Because when I think of that, I feel like, oh, what's real? When I think of freedom, it, it means like I am in control of my own life. That is freedom. Mm-hmm. Not my... um And not just me, but like my truest essence, the part of me that's one with spirit. That's the part of me I want, you know, really in control of my life. Not the small ego self me. Right. Right. And um, yeah, that's what comes to mind. And when I think of freedom, I think of honesty, being free in your truth. Like, can you truly be who you are? And I would hope that the people around me see me in that way, that she is honestly herself and she allows me to be honestly myself. That's what I want my thing to be. And wow, that's good. So then when you think of like, so what does that on your end look like? Like you said, it talks, you talked about, the whole sense of needing to be free yourself. 
And so, and like you said, your definition of freedom is really just being in that space of like, it's not your small ego self that's doing it. It's your true essence self. That's mm -hmm. And so with that being said, what is that? What does that look like? Like, how do you know you're operating out of one versus the other? I mean, I don't, <clears throat> I think it's a constant, like, in, <laughs> I guess constant, like weighing, you know, mm -hmm. um, and there are times that I've probably thought I was free, but I wasn't. <laughs> and then I like look back and I'm like, yeah, I wasn't really free then, you know, um, and it probably changes, mm -hmm. you know, depending on like what season of my life I'm in right now, Jupiter's in my first house. So there's a lot about me expressing myself, mm -hmm. um, you know, and that's why I love astrology because it's cyclical and there's these seasons of life where perhaps me being free when Jupiter is in my seventh house is being able to really experience exchange and allow others to speak into my own life. But right now what's being emphasized is no, what do you feel like saying? Right. And honoring these various seasons of my life and understanding that like, I don't always need to be at 100% or I don't always need to be on just being, feeling into my own life. Mm -hmm. And living honestly um, from that space and being able to honor the space that I'm in without trying to manipulate it and change it into something else. Right. Right. And I, I mean, I wonder how many people do that. Mm -hmm. We've not been taught that. No. You know. Wow. That's, I mean, yeah. I just think it all goes back to like we said with the whole piece of character. And it's like, you have to, and I always, I tell everyone this, and this is something that I live by, is like, make yourself proud. Like, that really, that is the best way in my eyes to show up in good character in the character that you want to be because that requires you to evaluate what actions you're going to take and that requires you to evaluate the motive behind those actions and it just it requires a deeper level of thinking and knowing and going in and understanding okay what are all the pieces to this that are creating my actions that are creating my motives because if you're making yourself proud then that's obviously something that you feel like is good for you and mm. you need to be aware, right? Like awareness is number one, I feel like, within knowing what character you have in the character of others. Mm -hmm. What about you, Cole? What do you feel like you look for in, in regards to character? Like what's something that you admire in someone? Mm. I look for character. Um, I look at two things. And I actually have defined this before. I also do this with the... Um, with the healing work, but it bleeds across the spectrum, even into like personal relationships is I based off of two things, willingness and capability. Like, and the first one, willingness, are they willing to do the thing? Right? Are they mm -hmm. willing to actually go do this or be this or show up in this way? And then mm, the other I love one, that. Mm -hmm, and the other one is capability. Do they have the capacity to show up and do it in that way? Cause there, and I, and I tie it back and we use the example of like the spirit work of like, there's a lot of people who are willing to show up and do the work and, um, I take that back. I mean, I think there is, but not as much as that sentence emphasized, but there are people who are willing to show up, but they physically, emotionally, spiritually don't have the capacity to, while on the other hand, there's a lot of people who have the capacity. They're extremely gifted, they're extremely powerful, but they're not willing. 
And I think capacity can be obtained. I don't think willingness can. Hmm. Well, hmm. you don't think willingness can be learned? No, because then it's forced. You can't force someone to be more willing. <clears throat> Maybe. You know, it's interesting. I was listening to a podcast yesterday with one of my freaking heroes, Charles Eisenstein, who I just think is brilliant. <clears throat> and he was doing a podcast and they were talking about the guy who, who was hosting it was saying how after his fiance had passed away was when he came to fall in love with the world. And the being re the reason being that when she passed away, he remembered how she always emphasized like nature and the land and the animals. And so like when she died, he realized like, oh, she's in nature now. And now all of a sudden it was able to allow him to love nature. And so he was asking Charles, like, how do you think um, we can help people fall in love with nature, with the world? And Charles was like, I don't think you can teach that. I think it's a gift that is given. Right. And that goes with what you're saying. Like, yeah, it's, it's like perhaps willingness cannot be taught, but perhaps life can grant us experiences that open us to become more willing. Absolutely. And the whole thing with like capacity, like, and I think of you as a prime example, for an example, the anointment, right? When you get anointed, that is mm -hmm. something that can be passed on. That is something that can be given, right? That mm -hmm. capacity can be obtained, can be granted. But if you're not willing to hold that, that's an individual choice. So mm -hmm. that's what I'm saying with the whole of capacity. You can always increase your capacity. It's the willingness piece. Like there's always more water to pour into the container, but the container size may not change. Right. And so like really getting clear on like perhaps why the unwillingness is there would be something to probe into. And I think a lot of it is fear and mm -hmm. like programming or resistance. And a lot of it's ego, you know, it can go in mm -hmm. like, oh, I'm not worthy of this. Or the second one of I know everything and anything. And so I'm, yeah. I'm like exempt from that, you know? Mm, that's really good. I actually wouldn't have correlated willingness with character, but I so see that now. Mm -hmm. Of like, sure. are you willing to have a conversation? Like, oh, see, yes. here we go. Are you willing to have a conversation with someone who's a different viewpoint than you? And mm. the other thing too, like, are you willing to see an Instagram post and not argue with it? You know, like all of these things of willingness, because it goes, it boils down to honestly, Willingness is going to expose your greatest shadows because mm -hmm. it's going to show what is it that gets you off? What is it that gets you quiet? What is it that gets you? Your willingness is the caliber that you're willing to show up for yourself and your character. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I love that. We should look up what willingness means, yeah. the <laughs> definition. I'm curious because I really love that. I think of someone who's like open, who's receptive. I think of the word receptive. Mm -hmm. Okay, here we go. So willingness is the quality or state of being prepared to do something. Readiness. So readiness. What does receptive then mean? See, I don't think, at least in my eyes, I don't think the word's receptive. Because I think recept receptive, oh, it's interesting. It has the word willing in it. So the definition mm -hmm. is willing to consider or accept new suggestions and ideas. 
Yes. Receptive. Hmm. Yeah, I think they go hand in hand. Because I think of someone who's receptive as someone who's read, who's willing to receive. Wow. Okay, this just kind of blew my fucking mind. This just hit me. So one of the other definitions of receptive is it says of a female animal ready to mate. But I just realized what I described is willingness is feminine while capacity is masculine. Wow, totally. Holy shit. Boom. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that resonates for sure. And so the other thing we wanted to touch on today was like this idea of empowerment and like mm-hmm. self-empowerment because I think that's something that goes hand in hand with character. Like there's this sense of someone to me that has strong character takes responsibility over their own lives. Mm-hmm. And with that, like stands in this state of self self-empowerment and or sovereignty. Like I am me in and of myself. So this is interesting. So the definition of empowerment is authority or power given to someone to do something. Yeah. Mm. Literally giving yourself authority or the power to do something. Yes. I think there's something to me about people like that. You know, I've always admired people that are just like responsible and responsible over the, their, their, their selves, like their actions. Like, do you know how to take responsibility? Do you own up to your mistakes? Do you own up to your successes? Because that's also a thing. Like, I see that so often too, especially because I grew up in the church and I experienced a lot of religion where humility, this false sense of humility, that's really what it is. False sense of humility was seen as something holy, mm. like the smaller you can play. You know, I had a conversation one time with someone about shadows and my own shadows in particular. And, um, you know, they were kind of saying like, oh, you know, uh, kind of just bringing up like the ego wanting to be this show. And I'm like, that's not necessarily my shadow mm. because I grew up in religion. A lot of my shadow has to do with wanting to play small. Mm. You know, we often think of shadow as like the one that wants to like be seen the egoic and like this large. And in a sense it is because, you know, it's a, a false sense of humility. And in that there's a sense of righteousness Right. right. I'm better than because I'm like so meek. Well, and I mean, touching on that, like you said, with the whole how like shadows, like you said, shadows, your shadow being small, people can mistake in that for not taking up a lot of space. But that action is inherently I mean, that shadow is inherently affecting the actions, which are having a greater appearance than if that shadow was never present. Absolutely. Yeah, that's a good way to put it. And I am. I see it as like the way that it's, I guess what it is, it's the way that it's felt and experienced through that person is different. Mm-hmm. Right. So my way of, of integrating and working with that shadow is probably actually learning um, is taking ownership of my power versus acting like I don't have any. Mm-hmm. I think for me, the biggest way, like how I define empowerment is doing what aligns with you when it's uncomfortable because mm. it's really easy to be empowered when or step into that space when it's being applauded or praised or whatever words you want to use while i feel like real empowerment and when you know you've passed the test is when you're able to do it in uncomfortable spaces 
Mm -hmm. You know, my spiritual mama used to say all the time, when you're no longer moved by the criticism of man near the, nor the applause of man, that's when you're in your truth. Mm -hmm. Exactly. You know, and like, you're not led by either of them. You're led by your innate truth. That's everything. Cause that, that's unfuckable. I mean that you can't touch like because mm -hmm. it's so solid it's so concrete like you can say all the things to them but and that's what i love about empowerment is it solidifies real gold like it's one of the few things i truly think that shows people it solidifies something solid because i like i don't like to think that like when things become solid it means they become permanent but i feel like this is one of those golden things that like it's really about becoming solid within so what do you think would hold someone from actually embracing or like being empowered? Shame. Mm. Making them feel like they're less than or they're doing something wrong because that their truth is wrong or that their expression is wrong and that you mm. know what's right for them. Hence, look at religion, look at Look at, it's just outside of religion. Look at traditions, look at all of these rules, all of these things that we implement in place to go, I am more holy than you because I do these things and you don't. And nowhere in that context said, let me ask this person, see their truth and their perspective on it. Mm, isn't it interesting, the various things that we use to measure one another by, mm -hmm. you know, like yeah it's so fascinating to me and i feel like if you're going to measure yourself by anything measure yourself by the way that you treat the living mm -hmm. absolutely well and also like i just we we look outside of ourselves for so much mm -hmm. and i don't even know where that where to start with having people look at themselves like for an example like you and me people come up to like you and me and they're like Oh my gosh, I just don't know how you guys like speak the way you do or just are so confident or whatever it was. Not and I maybe just speaking for myself, but like that was a huge thing for me in my entire life was just like, how are you so confident? How are you all these things? And it's not like this boastful thing. It's more in the sense of I know what the fuck I am and what I stand for. And I know I will leave a room if it requires me to. Mm. And I think very few people are willing to leave a room. I'll say this too. I live my life personally with no secrets. Mm -hmm. I think if you have secrets and you are hiding, then you have a tendency to probably, uh, if you can, this is why I think shadow work is so important, right? Mm -hmm. um, cue in like, go do some shadow work with Cole. <laughs> <laughs> but like really why I think shadow work is so important because if you can own those parts of you that are maybe seen as less than or difficult or whatever, then nobody has anything against you. They can't hold something against you. They can't, you know, bribe you. Like they don't, they have nothing on you in a sense. And so I try to live my life with no secrets. I try not to hide. See, but the contrary to that, Mel, is you don't have a problem with being shamed. A lot of people do. Because if you expose all of your secrets, if you expose all of yourself, yes, you get rid of that. You get rid of the possibility of being bribed or being exposed. But you also bring forward that the possibility of being shamed for your secrets or what you deem unworthy.
Right. But I think what I'm saying is like, and not, and the word bribed is not correct. It's blackmailed, but um, <laughs> I, I said that wrong. Sorry. I was like, wait, that's not the right word. Um, <laughs> um, yes. I think what, what happened to me, at least this has been my experience is at a very young age, because I dealt with addiction at such a young age and getting clean at such a young age as well. I, I was, I got sober at 20 years old. Immediately after that spirit began to have me with, you know, t- teach and share my story. And for three years, my first three years of sobriety, I spoke at detention centers and at orphanages and at, um, you know, high schools, sharing my testimony, if you would, right, of my experience with addiction. And the more I spoke about these parts of me that were really difficult, the freer and freer and like the less mm-hmm. power they had over me. See, so that's what empowered you was putting all of your secrets on the table. Yeah. I mean, there was shame there, but I dealt with the shame by like the, it's almost like the more I spoke about it, the less the shame carried weight Mm -hmm. because I began to realize in sharing it, it doesn't, um, I, it doesn't define me. And I think that's kind of the process in shadow work, right? Like you're, you're, you're identifying these parts of the you that maybe you feel shame about, but almost in identifying them, you realize, oh, like it's almost like in doing that, you kind of create the space for it. You know, I had a really good conversation with um, one of the girls that I work with and the whole thing, and you and me have talked about this, the whole, and this is a whole nother podcast that we can talk about. We do this every time. I feel like we say that at least five <laughs> times every podcast. But the whole concept around in spirituality, there is a massive, there's a negative relationship with a lot of people to pleasure because they use spirituality as their scapegoat or as their savior to pleasure, right? The shadows that pleasure created for them. So they inherently deem all of it bad. Hence going back to the certainties, hence going back into the shadow of it. But I bring this all up because of what you were saying is like, you have to really ask yourself, what is the intention, right? And we say that word a lot on here, but what is the intention? Like your intention of sharing your story was not only to show other kids like, hey, if you're in a fucked up situation, you can get out of it, look at me. But it was also for you to be able to, I truly, and this is kind of like the visual I get, every time you spoke, your words took like a bite out of that shame and then spit it out for you. And it literally mm, wow. like ate that shame piece by piece. And so the more you speak about what it is that you're shameful about, and the more, it allows you to digest it and process it, it removes the cloak from it so you can actually see what it really is. I think part of it is because I was, you take responsibility, right? So every time that I was speaking, I was speaking of my responsibility in it, and I was taking ownership over it. And then in that, I was like, oh, um, yeah, I did that thing. So it's not who I am anymore. Mm -hmm. And I became freer and freer. And so, you know, and just to tie this kind of all together, I'll say, you know, somebody who had an immense impact in my life. I've I've had, I've been very, very blessed to have some incredible teachers in my life. I really have. And one of them, Lydia, and this is probably why I, I feel so big about like wanting people to feel free because um so many of my teachers embodied that for me at a time when I couldn't fully Mm. and her when I met her in particular um 
I remember one time we were at a friend's house and I was happy, helping her pack up her things and she grabbed this beautiful necklace. I still have it. And she like put it on me and she was like, this is a gift for you for everything you've done. I had helped them with some stuff, with organizing some stuff. And then she looked at my eyes and Cole, I swear to you, I mean, she looked at me and I knew that she saw me in that moment. You know what I mean? Like, Mm-hmm. Like she saw me, my real true self, and I could see in her face ugh, this set this awe. And I was like, "Oh, she sees God." And it wasn't like this ego thing; like it was like this OMG, like this realization, like "Oh, God is not outside of me." And she allowed me to see that. Wow. And in doing that, she freed me from ever looking outside of myself for God. Wow. That's fucking powerful. It was literally, I will never forget that moment. And I remember feeling like, can you imagine being able to look at someone and see the God in them? And then make, and in that awakening them to realizing, oh, it's always been inside of me like that's what I would want my like legacy if you would to be like I want the people in my life to realize that they lack nothing that they are exactly who they are and again I think you were able to see that in yourself because you had a level of awareness and like a like a, I wouldn't even say you're working on yourself, but you were in this space of like, you weren't in your ego, you were in your space of like, because even in that time, and that's a big thing we've talked about with you is your whole thing of you, like, you were like, I'm in service to spirit because it saved my life. And I think that moment was when it flipped for you kind of like, yeah, but what saved you is inside of you, you know? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Have you had a moment like that where you were just so aware of like your truth and who you are? Um, so I can think of, I don't know. I mean, I feel like this is the same, but let me know. So when I lived in Italy for a year, at the end of the year, um, right before I left, um, all of my, in Italian school, you have the same class every day. You don't switch classes. The teachers come in, they switch out, but not the students. Mm. And so it's a really intimate setting. There's like 14, 15 of us, maybe. I got really close with all of them. And one of my best friends, Mari, she probably doesn't listen to this podcast because it's in English, but um, (laughs) I just love that woman. And one of the reasons being is towards the end of the year, we, before I left, everyone, they all wanted to host um, a huge dinner for me. So we went to this restaurant and my favorite teacher, Solai, she was my, I'm giving way more information ever, but you know, I'm a storyteller. So you're going to get it. (laughs) She was the um, Italian and Latin teacher she taught the kids Italian and Latin and she was very intense, very severe, but very loving. And when I first started, oh gosh, I'm so sad now. Um, when I first started with Solai, the, the first couple of days there at Italian school, I didn't speak a word of Italian. I didn't even know like how to say, hello, my name is like, I didn't know anything. I didn't know the enunciation, anything. And so every time she would teach, Solai would teach, and then she would give them the work and then they would work. And then she would pull me up to the front at the desk with her and she'd open up the dictionary 
and we'd go word by word and she didn't speak one word of English. And she would describe to me these words in Italian and act them out. It was like charades for the dictionary. Mm. And she was just so full of life and pure and loving. And so I tell this to fast forward to the end. That's why she was invited to this, um, my, my last dinner with everyone. And they made me a huge photo album of all of the photos that we've ever taken throughout the year. Oh, wow. And, oh my gosh, I don't want to cry, but <laughs> here I am. It's good tears though. And um, I remember just looking through these photos and I could see like in literally every single one of their eyes, just like this, uh, like this, uh, like bye for now type of, type of thing. Mm. And then one of my, I looked at Solai and I could really see like, she just saw me for me. And she was just really, she was just so loving to me. She was really mean to a lot of the kids, but she was really nice to me. And then my friend, Mari, remember literally distinctively looking to my left and locking eyes with her. And she could, I without words, I know she felt exactly what I felt. Just by the way our eyes locked, you mm. could feel this like sadness, but appreciation, but love of like this moment will never be again. But that's the beauty of it. And so I tie that back to your whole thing with the locking of the eyes and the whole moment of like, someone really seeing you is and like what's in you is like all of them are like this kid is fucking something else and it was just like and all of us are but in that moment it was for me and I could really Mm. feel that so yes that's my version of it (laughs) wow uh I'm over here crying too Jesus I love it though like I think that those moments affirm to us our truth mm-hmm. and like those are empowering moments of having been witnessed and seen and like there's a sense of like you know I've heard this saying it's one thing to be loved it's another to be known and loved well wow. one of my teachers used to say that and that is the truth to in that moment you were known and loved right and it means that much more because they saw you and still loved you. Right. Right. In your fullness. And like, yeah, I think that's why, you know, with myself saying like not having anything hiding, not having secrets, if you can own your fullness and that's where shadow work is so important and being able to own even those parts of you that are whatever and then accept and work with who and what you've been given mm-hmm. and love yourself and see yourself as still worthy regardless, then you embody that for other people. And those moments like that, where it's affirmed to you is everything. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Like there's a sense of belonging because ultimately we all have our stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. We went at it. I think this is our longest podcast <laughs> ever. We're at, wow, okay. I know. We got to wrap this shit up. <laughs> well, you know, we'll just keep going. We'll see what words we get, we dive into next time. All right. See you guys.